Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number seven of Nick's Notes. Very excited to speak with you today and to introduce our guests, Gabriel Trapos and Ankit Patel from Pearl Health, uh, a company that's in the direct contracting space, and that's sort of going to be the topic of our conversation today. Most of you that listen to these podcasts are pretty familiar with Medicare Advantage plans, which are plans sold by insurance companies that help patients with the deductible parts of Medicare and cover those things in a way that benefit patients and they try to dive wellness and preventive health and um, and it's good for the insurance companies and ostensibly good for the patients and for Medicare, which gets cost controls. Um, last year, uh, Medicare introduced a new model called direct contracting in which provider groups can themselves take on the risk of patients and the upside of patient care, disintermediating the insurance companies. And Pearl Health is a very important company in that space, uh, doing some exciting things. And so today we wanna to talk about what is direct contracting? Why is it important? How disruptive is it to healthcare? Uh, what is its potential and outlook with the people who should know best? So Ankit and, and Gabe, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, really excited to be here. So let's just start with this. What is direct contracting? Yeah, so let me kick us off here. And again, thank you for, for the chance to be here. You know, direct contracting is CMS, so the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. It's their next version of the ACO program. And, and I think what's exciting about the direct contracting program is that it allows for a couple of things. The, the first is that it is a model that is moving primary care into a fully capitated model. So a lot of the issues and concerns that you've heard in the past around the ACO programs, and then also in just other value-based care arrangements, you know, doctors will tell you, I'm in a fee-for-service environment. I have to continue to bill for my cash flow, for my revenue. But then maybe if I do some things in 18 months time, somebody in the future is going to come and give me uh, a, a check and some revenue for and a bonus payment. I just can't make a business model work like that where I'm having to do something different today with the expected payout in 18 months. What drug contracting does is with the primary care capitation component, allows for doctors to have that revenue stability, allowing them to invest in care management, care coordination, wraparound services, can use that kind of revenue to partner with other organizations to help uh, reach um, patients in, in a better and more effective way. And then the second thing I'll kind of note is that for the longest time within the value-based care community, you know, everyone's been saying, you know, we would love to do all these interesting things and improve outcomes and reduce costs, but we're not allowed to. Like we would love to do the types of things that Medicare is allowing Medicare Advantage plans to do, namely doing things like changing co-pays and cost shares for preventative care, being able to add in incentives to beneficiaries for um, seeking out that preventative care, kind of building out relationships with preferred providers uh, through value-based care arrangements downstream of the PCP. And, and direct contracting is now unlocking a lot of those types of kind of mechanisms that have traditionally only been available to Medicare Advantage and now bringing those kind of components to uh, physicians' practices, making it more palatable uh, for them to enter into these types of value, value arrangements. So thank you for that. Fundamentally, uh, direct contracting is putting... Uh, based on what you said in my own reading of the topic, physicians back in the driver's seat and aligning incentives between doctor, patient, and payer, which is Medicare, and disintermediating the insurance company. Um, 
in that sense. How disruptive is this if you are an MA plan? You know, right now there are 53 entities approved for DCE, probably a couple hundred thousand patients in the country out of 55 million Medicare patients. Three years from now, five years from now, how disruptive is this to MA, Medicare Advantage? I mean, you know, Medicare Advantage has certainly been on the upswing, gaining popularity over the last decade or so. Um, I think what you will see, though, is that as direct contracting um, affords direct contracting entities the opportunity to replicate some of the flexibility that MA has while replacing the sticks that MA um, uses to maintain cost controls with carrots to sort of align incentives across, as, as Anki said, across payer, patient, and, or as you said, rather, across payer, patient, and uh, provider. Um, you know, I, I, I think you'll find that those positive incentives will be uh, something that consumers will be more responsive to in the long term. And, you know, from, from a Medicare standpoint, the program also has better controls with respect to creating widespread savings for the trust. And, and the corollary to that question, and I'm going to come back to the, the payer and the Medicare Advantage plan in a follow-up, but the corollary to that question is, are, are doctors ready to, to take this on? Are they good at, will they be, what do they need to do? Hey, I got a direct contract thing. I know a DCE entity here in Southern California that uh, you, you, we've spoken with together that, got 3,000 patients in a DCE, and they're a little bit overwhelmed by what do we do now, right? Upside risk, downside risk, surety bonds. What do doctors need to know to, to enter this kind of care successfully, this kind of care model? Yeah, that's a, it's a great need? point. I, I think that the way to think about the path forward, you know, from a physician perspective, is that physicians need operational technical support to administer the program. Now, all that's to say is that the burden that direct contracting presents is dramatically lower. I mean, just so dramatically lower than what you experience with Medicare Advantage plans and also what you experience with existing value-based care programs from Medicare. The, the, CMS deserves a lot of credit for making this a mm -hmm. lot simpler, but that's not to suggest that there are not a lot of operational support that needs to mm -hmm. happen. You know, to your point on whether physicians are ready I, I think physicians are ready when they when they came out of medical school and they finished a residency, went into practice. The challenge has been is for 20 years, they've been they've getting very good at managing administrative burden, yeah. right? Getting back to just, you know, we sort of think of direct contracting as returning to the world where the doctors can kind of do what they want to do, mm -hmm. you know, and it really for us in, in our view is it really comes back to capitation, right? And, and, you know, Nick, you know a lot about this kind of working at Heal. There's, a, you know, you guys did a lot of great work. There's a challenge, though. I mean, could you imagine if you had every single doctor operating on the heel platform? And, and I imagine that a lot of the challenge that you had trying to get doctors to kind of operate the way you guys did at heel is that they're just stuck in this hamster wheel of administrative burden, of kind of running that fee-for-service model. Just imagine a world where heel can walk yeah. up to a physician and just say, hey, you're an outpatient doctor. You see a thousand patients a year. Why aren't you doing the same types of things yeah. that we're doing? And now you have got the ability to unlock them to actually do medicine yeah. the way that they were trained to do, not kind of check boxes, you know, fill out the dreaded optum form so that you can mm. start documenting codes and, and quality measures yeah. and get back to actual kind of practicing of medicine. Yeah, look, I, I so first of all, I completely agree with you. And and that was the appeal of HEAL in, in some ways, is it because we were a risk-bearing, became a risk-bearing entity as doctors could 
practice with more liberty, albeit with Medicare Advantage. And overall, I think CMS deserves a lot of credit overall, right? If you want to ask me who the most innovative insurance company is in America, I would say Medicare, right? Because they manage the most number of people. And between the new telehealth rules, chronic care management, remote monitoring, approving house calls for all seniors, which happened a couple of years ago, just the new interoperability and 21st Century Cares Act, I think there's an incredibly exciting time to be building businesses in healthcare that will fundamentally disrupt, right? One of the big problems with the Medicare Advantage approach is it's very easy for payers and for the risk-bearing, you know, the providers participating with those payers to game the system. You can make money by either saying actually lowering healthcare costs or just by increasing the RAF score and saying the patient's sicker and arbitraging the difference. And we've seen a lot of insurance companies had to write a big checks for penalties for that. And I think it's just a tip of the iceberg. So I think this kind of model really, really does that, right? Um, and disintermediates and brings us closer to doctor and patient than, than farther and farther away, which is, you know, sort of the, the chasm that's been growing. In that context, what, who is Pearl Health? You're a new company. What do you do? And why should doctors and work, work with you? Sure. So, you know, if you think about the financial chassis that the regulatory mechanism of direct contracting provides, as Ankeith laid it out, you have capitation, which affords physicians freedom. You have risk and savings exposure, which gives them the incentives to improve the total cost of care. And then you have quality measures that also incentivize high quality care. That's all well and good, but your average independent primary care provider isn't going to have the infrastructure tooling insight to move into that program out of the gate. And so mm-hmm. Pearl provides you know, actionable data analytics, uh, product platform that will allow for uh, you know, insight into the patient panel and care management, and then the financial and regulatory support to actually succeed in the program. So taking right. on risk alongside providers and um, doing the heavy lifting with respect to CMS. Awesome. And f- prediction, quick answer questions. Five years from now, are senior, more seniors getting primary care in person or over video telehealth? I'm going to stick with in person. I'll, I'll in my person. Take. Okay. And is that in person in house calls or at a doctor's office? I, I think it's going to be in non-doctor office settings. So I think it's, we can go beyond the house. I mean, we can go yeah. to the community center. We can go to a whole host of locations yep. um, where this kind of care can now be provided. Okay. 10 years from now, because MA has had a huge head start, right? They already have 20 million people on it. But 10 years from now, where are there more members, Medicare Advantage or direct contracting? I think a direct contracting like traditional Medicare program will have more members. I I agree with both of those. Um, We keep these podcasts short and simple. If you have more questions about Pearl Health, visit pearlhealth.com. The information will be below. If you have more questions about direct contracting, just Google CMS DCE and you can read to your heart's content. Uh, Ankit and Gabe, it was wonderful to have you on the program today. And uh, let's hope there continues to be disruption, innovation, cost reduction, and genuine patient health improvements uh, because of all these innovations in healthcare. So people can lead longer, happier, healthier lives at lower costs uh, for all Americans. Thank you. Couldn't agree more. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you.